Welcome to the Real Estate Play-By-Play. We are your hosts, Christy Martinelli, top-ranked realtor worldwide, and Danielle Obrantz, mortgage industry veteran. On and off the field of life, you need to know the plays to win the game. We are here to give you the play-by-play tools to reach your real estate goals. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, a seasoned investor, or just have a love for real estate, suit up. It's It's game game time. Hey, welcome back to the Real Estate Play-By-Play. We are here with another amazing episode. So the plan of attack. Yes. Yes. This is right up Christie's alley, I know, because it involves planning. (laughs) Planning. So if you're going into a game and uh, you're trying to figure out your opponent that weekend and what you have to set up beforehand to play that opponent, right? Like what plays are you going to run? Um, who you're going to play in those certain positions? Um, right now I actually coach a sixth, seventh grade girls soccer team. Of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> in all your free time. <laughs> <laughs> and so last night I met with my assistant coach after practice and we have two games this weekend and we were figuring out our plan of attack. It's amazing. Every time I wonder if I'm the most insane person out there, I know that you're there to take on even more tasks than me. It's great. Makes me feel good. I know. (laughs) So it's the same thing in real estate, right? So you have to plan your attack. So if I have a buyer that comes to me and they're saying, I want to buy a property. Yeah. My first question I ask them is, what type of property do you want to buy? Right. And usually what comes out is, well, three bedrooms, one or two baths. We want some yard. Yeah. There's so much more to know before you buy a property or when you're considering buying a property, there's lots of options. And so we're going to kind of give you guys, uh, talk about the different options, the different property types that you can purchase. I think there's more out there than people may be aware of. Right, right. And the other consideration is how does your financing get affected in all of this? And I get this all the time. People come to us and they're like, you know, oh, I want to buy maybe a house, but if it has a, you know, a second unit, that would be great. I can rent it or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Those are all different types of loans. So we have to plan those things going in. We need to be prepared for what exactly are you looking for? And we need to identify, you know, the potential options up front. Right. So So, I think the basic is just a regular single family house. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's options within that, too. Right. Right. Exactly. Two story house. Do you want a single family or one story house? Those have different marketability issues. Right. And in terms of, um, I would say from a mortgage perspective, with a single family house, are there any adjustments, anything that are added on? Like, there are, or is it pretty much it is what it is? Yeah. Those, that's pretty much like your baseline, right? Mm-hmm. You start at a single family house and then kind of you adjust from there. Okay. So your single family is kind of just your basic ordinary purchase. And single families can have HOAs depending on the area. Like for example, right. on our street, we live in a single family house, but we have a small HOA. It's not much. Right. It's a hundred bucks a year, but right. it pays for, and I'm the HOA president. Of course. And right. so, <laughs> Obviously. Of course. So it pays for um, the insurance in the, in the open space areas. Right. Um, and so an HOA, just in case people aren't familiar, that's a homeowners association. Mm-hmm. And by being in a community that has extra features, you might have some extra dues, but you might get access to extra things, right? Right. A community pool sometimes, a community Mm -hmm. park, 
you know, whatever that is, right? Yeah. And you have to be aware of if you do have an HOA, whether it's in a house or a different type of single family house or some other type of property, you might have some restrictions as well. Right. Like for example, even in our small HOA, there are certain things that we can't put out in the front of our house. Right. If we want to paint our house a certain mm-hmm. color, we have to make sure that we go by the planning committee mm-hmm. and that no they're neon uh, green they're or anything like no, that's not no. going to fly. Mm-hmm. No, but I actually like that. I yeah. I like it because it doesn't bring down the value of your neighborhood. If right. you know, the worst is when you go into a really nice neighborhood you're showing a buyer house and the house right next door is painted like bright crazy pink or colors. Orange. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It just brings the whole yeah. neighborhood or value has 12 down. Cars parked in front or right. whatever those things. Right. So those, those homeowners associations are there to kind of, you know, help enforce the overall appeal of the neighborhood. Correct. Um, but it's something that you need to know going in, right? Cause if you're the person that has 12 cars, you might want to consider a property that doesn't have an HOA. That might be problematic (laughs) for you, right? So single family, and then from the single family you have, whether it's in an HOA or not in an HOA, two-story, one-story, obviously identifying all the basics, how many bedrooms and bathrooms you want, all that kind of stuff is pretty standard, right? Right, if you want it remodeled, if you want a fixer, if you want, um, you know, something that is a complete teardown. And then as you mentioned, I do get a lot of requests, especially around this area in Northern California, for people that want to purchase a house, but they also want uh, ADU, whether right. it's attached or detached. Um, we recently had a situation where um, a client bought a property that had two units on it. Do you remember this? But in I the do. second unit, it had another smaller unit in the back. Right. Well, that's technically considered three units. Three units. It's completely different than purchasing one unit when you're looking at a financial perspective. Right. right. And people have a hard time wrapping their head around that because like, why does it matter? Mm -hmm. But it does. From a lending perspective, it makes a difference whether a second structure or unit on the property is considered an ADU. So, um, you know, an accessory dwelling Dwelling. unit, right? That's what that stands for, which can be like a smaller granny unit, right? That's a very Mm -hmm. common purpose for those is you're buying a house with mother-in-law or whatever, and she needs a place to live or a guest suite or a rental unit, whatever it is. But an Mm -hmm. ADU is typically smaller in size, you know, than the main property. Right. And if you're buying a house with a single family with an ADU, it's considered from a lending perspective, just a single family. Whereas if you're buying a two-unit property, Mm. so two individual houses that are kind of more similar in size, that has a totally different set of lending rules. Mm. More Mm -hmm. down payment, different interest rates, everything changes if you're getting into a two-unit property. And then when you go to three to four-unit properties, the rules change again. So it's really important to identify that going in, like what is it that you're buying? Right. That's just really critical. And oftentimes... We go to tax records to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But like around here, a lot of things have, you know, they're older homes. And right. so things kind of just get grandfathered into the process and they may not have started as one thing, but now there's something else. Right. And so we usually revert down to like, what is the size of the second units? Does it have its own gas meter? Mm. Does it have its own address? That's kind of how we start determining whether or not it's a true second unit versus an ADO. And um, from a lending perspective, the appraiser is going to be the one that goes out there and looks at the property and really determines what's going on with the property, right. where are we at? And right. 
that does come into play. Right. That's how. You yeah. Know. I mean, that's, yeah, like, like our little three unit property, yeah. right? We were able to kind of make the case that the third unit was um, attached to the main unit through mm-hmm. like walkways. And so it really wasn't a true third unit. Right. Because it could kind of easily be combined into the main house. Yeah. And so all those things come into play. And it's important that you have a real estate team and mortgage team who yeah. can navigate all of those things and understand the differences and work with the appraisal to make sure that you get what you're qualifying. Yeah, because I would say in that particular situation, had we not had our team. Yeah. That, and that, our plan of attack. And plan of attack. <laughs> that might have not have gone through with other realtors, other lenders, other 100%. appraisers. Right. Um, and it was all because we strategized yeah. up front. Mm-hmm. We, exactly. you know, we knew going in what we were looking to do and we came up with a plan that met those goals. Right. So that's so, key. So... You have the house, you have the ADU possibly. Um, and we mentioned, you know, touched upon like an HOA, the house, a regular single family residence could have a HOA as well. More commonly with an HOA is a townhome or a condo. Right. Um, yeah. And this is another one that gets, you know, a lot of confusion because these words are thrown around and can yeah. mean different things to different people. Um, a townhome really is not a property type. It's an architectural style. So a townhome really just means like an attached property that is two stories. Mm -hmm. And a townhome can then be categorized as either a condominium or a PUD. Mm -hmm. So a PUD is a planned unit development. And it really just um, changes the ownership of the property. Right. It's a little confusing. But when you buy into a condominium, you are really buying from the walls in. Mm-hmm. You're not buying like the whole structure, right. whereas on a PUD you are. You're buying the whole the whole property. Yeah. So a, a lot confusing. of times um, in a PUD, you they'll have a crawl space in the property, and we do inspections. A buyer does inspections, or maybe the seller's done the inspections, and there's something going on in the PUD. It's really important as the buyer to know if you're buying a condo versus a PUD, because that's going to determine if you're covering the land underneath the property. Right. So say there's some subterranean termites that need to get treated. Yeah. If you're buying a PUD, that's your responsibility. So you're going to be paying for that. If you're buying a condo, that's the HOA's responsibility. Right. You can go to them and have them pay for that. So same thing. You need to know what you're buying. Right. I mean, you need to identify that going in. And each type of property can have different, you know, benefits as a buyer or mm-hmm. or negatives, but you need to know that, right? Are you the type of person that can handle some maintenance on a property? If you're not, you know, and for a lot of first-time home buyers, a condo might be ideal for them because they know they don't have to worry about the major repair costs. The right. roof is covered. You know, the crawl space, the siding, all of those things are covered by the condo association. Right. And you just pay your month and you pay your monthly fee. Right. And that goes into it. Sometimes the monthly fee does cover other things such as water, garbage, rarely covers um, PG&E. Mostly the the two popular ones that it covers is water and garbage. Um, And as Danielle mentioned, you know, there might be um, a pool in the area, tennis Mm -hmm. courts grass area, parks. So if you want the access of all those things right nearby, but don't want to pay, you know, to have a pool in your house and all the expense that goes along with it. Come on, pools aren't expensive at all. No. (laughs) We both have pools. Can you tell? Yeah. Money fit. (laughs) Um, But if you don't want that expense and you just 
you know, would rather buy maybe a condo or a PUD that might make, might make more sense for your family. You know, it's all about what makes sense for your family and your finances. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then making sure that your lender is in the loop, because depending on the type of loan that you're getting, there can be different rules for a condo versus a PUD. Right. So for example, if you're getting an FHA loan or a VA loan, if you're buying a condominium, that condo complex has to be approved through, v- through, through VA FHA. or FHA. Yeah. And that approval has to already be in place. And so a lot of times I get situations where clients come to us and they they say, oh, I'm looking at this condo and we're approved on an FHA loan. Now they might think it's a condo because it feels like a condo, right? Mm-hmm. It's attached to other buildings. It it you know It feels like it to them. But I always do the digging because a condo, if it's not FHA approved, you can't get an FHA loan on that, which means you're going to have to restructure the deal. Right. But a lot of times what is advertised as a condo is really a PUD. And so we always do that extra digging. Like, let's pull the tax records. Let's pull the legal description. Let's Mm -hmm. see what we're really working with so that we can figure out the best loan type for that property type. Right. And I will say, well, if you go on an MLS, like let's say I'm listing a property, sometimes I don't know what it is. You know, sometimes right. I have to pull the prelim. Yeah. I have to ask the mortgage broker because on the MLS, it could have half the agents have listed it as a condo and yeah. half of them have listed it as a townhouse. Yeah. So you just really don't know. And they obviously didn't know either. I literally just yeah. got a transaction on this yesterday that um, it came to us, the property had already been in escrow by another buyer Mm -hmm. and that lender thought it was a PUD and they had their buyer approved on FHA and they got halfway through the process, had spent money on inspections, Mm. appraisals, everything else. The appraiser even appraised it as a PUD because that's what the lender told them and it wasn't. It was a condo and it got denied like at the last minute And, you know, I don't know how it got that far along because any good lender will pull those records day one. It took me five minutes to do the digging and go, well, this is not a PUD, it's a condo. And by the way, their FHA approval expired two years ago and the condo complex never renewed it. Oh, geez. And 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 so it's fine, right? Like we can do it. Right. Because we just have to set it up as a conventional loan. But if you don't know that going in, you might have a client who doesn't qualify on a conventional loan. Yeah. And there's not a lot of FHA approved properties. There isn't. Not in our area. area at least. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's really few and far between. Yeah. But I'd say the biggest thing that I discover is that a lot of times when people think it's a condo, it's truly a PUD. Right. And that. So it's something to be aware of. Yeah. And I mean, to double check when you're looking at properties. Doing your due diligence, knowing what you're buying, knowing what you're after. Right. Is there extra hits to the rate depending on if it's a PUD or a condo? Uh, yeah, there certainly can be. Mm-hmm. So um, all Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans like follow this crazy. It's called loan level price adjustment grid. And depending on how much down and purchase price and all that stuff. It determines what gets added into the rate mm-hmm. and condominiums do have some additional uh, interest rate additions in some brackets, okay. whereas a PUD is treated like a single family from mm-hmm. a lending perspective. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to go through as many steps. We don't have to get as much documentation. There's just a lot of extra things that we have to do when it's a condo. And if you're not identifying that up front, like you're missing the beat in terms of right. you know protecting your client. 
Right. And the other thing to think about um, as a buyer looking to purchase either a condo or a PUD is the the HOA restrictions. If you are purchasing it to live in, that's yeah. one thing. Right. If you're purchasing it to rent it out, a lot of these properties, well, okay. So a lot of these properties up until the this year, January 1st, 2023, had rental restrictions. Yeah. Meaning that you had to live in it for a year or two before you could rent it out. Or you couldn't rent it out at all. Right. Now there is a new law in place in California that's kind of like thrown people for a little bit of a loop that says um, you cannot have rental restrictions mm. on any condos um, or townhomes. And we're, we're finding as we go through this process, they came out with this law and it wasn't really thought through great. Shocking. Like, yeah. I know, like a lot of <laughs> like some law. laws that get passed. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're having to kind of scramble and HOAs are are having to scramble. So for example, if I take on a listing, I had a listing earlier this year where they were not allowing previously to January 1st, 2023, they were not allowing renters in this property. Well, now the HOA is faced with either allowing buyers to rent it out or suing and trying to fight back. HOAs don't have money to fight back, a lot of them. So depending on the HOA, the realtor goes to the HOA and says, hey, what are you guys doing about this? I would say nine times out of 10, they're saying, throwing their hands up and saying, we're letting people rent it. A lot of HOAs don't want to jump through the hoops to try to fight back on the rental restrictions. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why would an HOA want to fight back on rental restrictions? Well, I'll tell you why. Because, for example... I had um, a listing in a property that was, um, it was a condo, it was a three-story condo, and it was pretty run down. It wasn't taken care of, and mostly because they had a lot of renters in it. Right. And just, you know. Which is unfortunate, right? Which but, is unfortunate. But renters just don't treat properties the way they would if they own it. A lot of renters, yeah. A lot of renters. Yeah. So they had really run down this building. Well, the HOA had implemented years ago rental restrictions. So now all of a sudden you started, as it turned over, you started having people that bought the property to live in it. Right. They couldn't rent it out. Right. Well, the property ended up coming back, looking really nice. Um, is the values of the property had gone up. The units had gone up. Well, now we're putting rental restrictions, um, taking those away so that people can rent it out. The theory is that the property is going to now slowly go down. So that's the the flip side. Well, and there are some loan restrictions as well. So when you're buying a condominium, if you're buying it as a owner-occupied property, one that you plan on living in, Mm -hmm. we're fine. It doesn't matter how many rental properties there are in the complex. We're good. But if you're buying it as an investment property from day one, the lender actually does confirm that at least half of the units are investment properties. Like So that's the limit. They will not allow more than half of the units to be investment properties. Now, that doesn't have any effect on whether you buy it as an owner-occupied and then later convert it. Mm -hmm. But it can be challenging if you're going in to buy an investment property in a complex, it has to be at least 50% owner-occupied. Right. And so you you don't want to buy into a, a condo um, complex all cash so that it, that doesn't affect you. It but doesn't. But you buy it all cash and you want to go to sell it. it, 
Yeah, yeah you're going to have issues selling it if, you know, 70% of the unit is rented out. Right. Lenders aren't going to lend on it, which automatically is going to make your value go down. Right. And so you really need to be like, aware of that. Creates this extra. And that's just mm-hmm. something to know when you get into any condo association is you are essentially buying, you know, with um, an association that is controlling the finances of the complex. And right. so you need to be aware of you know, how that association is being run, what they're mm-hmm. spending money on, all those things come into play when you're buying a condo. Right. And as speaking of investments, um, moving forward on the line um, is if you're looking at a property to be more of an investment in terms of maybe a duplex yeah. or a triplex. Right. Um, yeah. So that also is going to come into play. Different Not- rules for every property type. Right. Um, you know, when you usually like two units is fine when you start getting into three and four there's more restrictions on what you can do mm-hmm. a lot of times people come to us with um you know fha loans right you, there's a lot of like advertisements that are out there about you know buying an fha loan that's a four unit property right. there's extra rules that are in place about the property having a cash flow and all this extra stuff mm. it's fine but you need to be knowing that up front you need to put your plan in place going in. Like you need to know what you're trying to buy and what the restrictions are on that loan type. Right. And just as if you're buying an investment property, um, the down payments might change. The same thing if you're going to, if you're thinking about buying a land, you know, I get that a lot around here. Well, what do we look at land and I'll look into buying. And that's a, that's a huge process in and of itself. But land um, only certain lenders will lend on land right. and you need usually 30% at least down. Right. So there's certain restrictions too up front that, you know, might not work for certain people. Right. Right. And we get that all the time, right? Like, oh, I'll just buy a plot, plot of land and I'll put a mobile home on it for a right. little while while I save up money. And you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And just like land, the same restrictions with manufactured homes have right. different rules than a stick built house. Mobile homes have even greater restrictions than a stick built house if it's in a park or anything. So all of those things are just really, really important that you identify your plan of attack going in, talk to all of your advisors, right? Your real Mm -hmm. estate agent, your lender, know what you're buying and go in with a plan. And I would also say in terms of knowing what you're buying um, and looking at like from an investor point of view, or even if you're buying to live in, something else to, you know, I get a call and people say, hey, I want to, um, this property looks good. It's a fixer. Yeah. Um, I just got one this week. Hey, yeah. this, this property in Larkspur looks really good. It's a fixer. My first question is, well, let's find out if it's lendable. Yeah. And what I mean is a lot of people call on fixers and think this is a great opportunity for us to get our foot in the door in this area and then we'll fix it up over time. Listen, if you're getting a loan and you're buying a fixer, you need to make sure that it's lendable up front. Right. You don't want to do all this due diligence, try to put an offer in and then it's not lendable. Yeah. And like non-lendable things would be, you know, not a working kitchen. Right. The roof maybe is a huge leak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten some crazy scenarios. Toilets. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things and there's there's not necessarily like an exact checklist of lendability. Uh, some of it is subject to like the appraiser's thoughts thoughts and feelings on things and it's a little bit subjective generally i can identify going in right so i always tell my clients like if you're interested in a fixer now i'm all about a good fixer like i love buying an ugly house that has good bones right like but you know paint goes a long way all that kind of stuff 
But if it needs like major stuff, if there's massive dry rot, that's obvious. Right. Missing things, no heat, all those kind of things yeah, will no affect heat. whether or not you can get a loan at all. Yeah. And that so it's just another thing to be aware of when you're yeah. purchasing a property. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I think it all comes down to coming up with your plan, going in, knowing what you're going to expect, and then making sure that you're reviewing it. Yep. Plan of attack. Plan of attack. Real estate play by play. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this play-by-play, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review on your podcast app, or please share with a friend or colleague. For more information, helpful tips, and real estate strategies, please visit us online at www.therealestateplaybyplay.com, where you can also connect with us on social platforms and sign up for our newsletter. Get Get in the the game. game.